Hello, everyone. This is Francine Crawford. I'm here on Autumn Here. We're here to talk to Miss Paula Rice, and we're going to talk about Alzheimer's in the African-American community. So let's welcome her to the show. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us on Autumn is Here. Um, we know that how important it is for uh, us to get information out to our community and Alzheimer's is a big subject and I don't think a lot of us know details about it. We may have heard the heard it and heard the word and the terms, but not do not know a lot about the details. Yes. So first, uh, tell me just a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I got involved. I, I guess I consider myself an advocate for um, Alzheimer's disease in the um, African-American community. Um, I got involved uh, as a result of being a caregiver for a mother who had dementia. And uh, it was like a 10-year journey. Um, it was very... Um, it was very difficult. It was, you know, it was heartbreaking. Um, it was, it was just tough. You know, uh, it took over my life. Um, sometimes I felt like a little resentful, you know, and then guilty for feeling resentful because it was my mom and I had a wonderful mother and there was no question in my mind that I wasn't going to, you know, make sure that she had the best of care possible. Um, and then after that journey, um, I uh, because I had been so involved with the Alzheimer's Association that I um, um, I became uh, you know after my mom passed away I became a volunteer, and then after that after volunteering for a few months they asked me if I wanted to um, be their manager of African American outreach for the community and just the so I did that for like almost uh, 10 years. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's just like been really like part of my life now, you know, it's just an integral part of my life. Um, and while I was um, involved with the Alzheimer's Association, I um, partnered with uh, Columbia University mm -hmm. um, to do um to educate the community, not just about Alzheimer's, but also about research studies that were going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they offered me a position as the, their community engagement officer. And so that's what I do now. But oh. it's still all about educating the community about this disease, how to get help, um, how to survive it, you know, mm -hmm. as being a caregiver, and then how, how to give back as well. Right, right. So um, let's first start about just explaining about Alzheimer's and the actual disease. So it's a disease of the, it's a neurological disease. Mm -hmm. um, it destroys our memory and our cognition. And a lot of people don't realize, I mean, a lot of people think that it's uh, a mental illness or it's schizophrenia or, you know, bipolar disease, but it's actual something physical actually something physical is going on in our brains, it's, they're shrinking. You know, we're losing brain cells and brain mass. And, um, and so the brain is shrinking and that's where um, the, la the loss and the lack of memory comes from. So 
when they do a, when, you know, if the doctor does a PET scan of the brain, you can see it. I mean, you can see gaping holes in the brain where, mm. where brain cells have actually um, atrophied and have died. So there's nothing there. There's just an empty, there's a hole where, you know, all your brain cells that can, that uh, held your memory, you know, memories of, yeah, of your life and what's going on in front of you and all of that. It's just, it's gone. So, um, and it's really important to understand, you know, the pathology of the disease so that you can understand how to, what the person is going through. So a lot of times people um, refer to dementia. Dementia is is an overall umbrella, right? Uh, right, and Alzheimer's falls under that. Can you explain a little bit about uh, dementia, memory loss, and and the other? Uh, yes. So a lot of times, I think unfortunately, sometimes um, you know doctors will say, "Oh, well, the, your mother's getting old, so you know she's forgetting and she's getting a little dementia." And I tell um, you know clients that. That's not an adequate. That's not an adequate explanation or diagnosis. You know, right. um, what what type of dementia? So, because dementia is an umbrella term, and there are different types of dementias. It's like think of it as cancer. There's different types of cancer right. and different causes for it. So, dementia is just when you lose, start losing your your um, memory and your cognition, um, but there are different things that cause it. And so it's really important to know what the cause of the dementia is, the forgetfulness. So there's Alzheimer's dementia, there's vascular dementia, there's frontal temporal dementia, and Lewy body dementia. Those are the most common forms of dementia. Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia, and then vascular dementia is next. And I think, you know, some of the, some celebrities have brought, uh, I think Bruce Willis, you know, they're talking about his, um, frontal temporal dementia. The most, um, common forms of dementia is Alzheimer's dementia. And Alzheimer's dementia is caused by a protein called amyloid beta that, uh, clumps, starts clumping on the brain and it, and it, um, it suffocates the brain cells. And they die. So that's the most common form of dementia. It causes a plaque, you know, in the brain. And then vascular dementia is the second most common form of dementia. And it's caused by um their their technically technical name is ischemic strokes. And I think people refer to them as like mini strokes or silent strokes. And what happens is you have these little strokes in the and you have no symptoms. So what happens is that maybe you have a tiny, tiny little blood clot in your bloodstream or maybe several, but, and what happens is they, they block the blood flow of a um, blood vessel in the brain. And so for maybe 12 hours, 24 hours, maybe even 48 hours, the brain doesn't get any blood flow. And if it doesn't get the blood flow, it's not getting oxygen and it needs oxygen to survive. But eventually, the force of the, you know, of the blood flow pushes it through and then everything goes back to normal. Hmm. So you just had a little for 24 hours, you had a little stroke and, um, and you weren't even aware of it. Hmm. And this can go on for, you know, and it's important to, that's why 
you know, getting a diagnosis and getting a regular check checkup is so important because um, that's the only way you're going to know if this is happening. Right. So, right. Yeah. so that's vascular dementia. So we just need to be, you know, uh, aware of and informed so that we can advocate for ourselves and ask questions. That's my main concern. That's what I advocate for to like Google everything, you know, and when your <laughs> doctor says something, pull out your phone and Google it and ask, well, what is this, this, you know, what does this mean? Ask you know, questions. Yeah. Ask questions or what do you mean dementia? This It says here that um, dementia is an umbrella term and there's four or five different types of dementia. What type of dementia does my mother have or my father or my husband or whatever, you know? What type of dimension? How are we going to treat this? You know, so um, and there are medications out there. And so it's important that you request, um, you know, an examination. Right. Yeah. What are some of the early signs of Alzheimer's? How would you know? How would you recognize? So, um, you know, the thing about it is, is like people with dementia in the early stage, they can they're pretty savvy they're like pretty smart so they can come up with excuses mm-hmm. for their behavior that makes you think well maybe you know that sounds reasonable you know yeah, yeah. um so maybe they're all you know maybe this isn't and maybe they're just getting old and forgetting things but you know you know your loved one and you know if this is if they're acting out of character and it really is important to um insist that they get a, a neurological, you know, examination. And you really have to kind of push, you know, push for it. Uh, my mom had vascular dementia and she had had a series of those silent strokes and her and she, she had never had any symptoms, but then she was starting to have accidents in the car. Like her spatial, um, she was having spatial confusion. So uh-huh. like, you know, if she were in traffic, if she were supposed to stop, she would accelerate. Or if she were supposed to accelerate, she would stop and then someone would hit her. So she was starting to have accidents in the car um, and she was starting to repeat herself. Uh-huh. So repetition of speech, saying the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, confusion of dates and times like, you know, showing up to church on a Wednesday when it's not thinking it's Sunday, you know, um, misplacing things. And then because you can't, can't remember where you put them, you start accusing other people of taking them. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. And then paranoia might creep in, um, a person, you know, their little sweet adoring mother may become like this I shouldn't say monster, but, you know, they may curse and, you know, become become mean and agitated and, you know, and argue and argumentative and, you know, just a completely different individual. Their personalities change almost. It's difficult. It's very subtle in the early stages. You know, the symptoms are very subtle and it's difficult to, you know, really recognize that there's something going on. So early stages. So let's talk about early stages and early onset and late onset Alzheimer's. Okay. So, well, early onset is um, 
when I say early stages, that generally applies to someone who's in late on- onset, like oh, really? in their stages. Yeah, because the early onset is genetic. And mm. people who get uh, Alzheimer's or some form of dementia in their 50s, you know, they may get it in their even late 40s or 50s. So um, that's usually genetic and um you can get a blood test for that. And um, if you have a gene on your 21st chromosome, which is the Down syndrome chromosome, um, and you can be tested for that, um, that's, and in that, they almost like 99%, can be 99% sure that this individual will get the disease. Mm. You know, so that's like early onset. Uh, late onset is just like age related, like the older you get, your your um, chances of developing dementia increase. So maybe when you're in your 60s, you have a one in 10 chance of getting the disease. And then when you're in the 80s and 90s, you may have a one in two chance of getting the disease. How does uh, uh, Alzheimer's affect the African-American community? So um, the risk factors are, and these are risk factors for everyone, Mm -hmm. um, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, um, and um, I mentioned all of them, and diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, and stroke. So um, those are the uh, risk factors. And obesity, too. Um, Those are the risk factors for everyone. But African-Americans have a disproportionately higher rates of those diseases. Mm. So we have higher rates of diabetes and higher rates of hypertension, Mm. higher rates of heart disease, you know. So um, and that's what the research, you know, part of the research that I'm involved in is they're looking for, you know, the genetic reasons for why do we have higher rates of these diseases? Because that's what puts us at risk. So those are risk factors. The good thing is that though those are manageable. So if you're on top of it, you know, if you're obese, you can lose weight. If you have hypertension, you can manage that with medication. Uh, if you have diabetes, you can manage that with diet and exercise and medication. So if you're on top of those risk factors, you can lower your risk, your you know rate of getting or delay it, you know, your risk of getting Alzheimer's disease. So it's important just to be healthy. I mean, you know, and that's just we should be doing that anyway, you know, mm-hmm. going to the doctor, being proactive, asking questions. Um you know, taking our meds. So all that can help. And, you know, exercising and eating healthy, all those things can help lower the risks. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. Right. Until we find out, like, you know, what's causing us to have the, you know, mm-hmm. these higher rates, but um, genetically, but, um, you know, we can always be proactive. So, okay. so it's good to know. Yeah. Okay. How do you get a proper diagnosis? So you really have to like um, ask. 
sometimes demand, you know, maybe your doctor doesn't, um, you know, I mean, I had to demand for my mother, my, her primary care diagnosed her with depression and um, didn't refer her to a neurologist. I had to take it upon myself to find a neurologist mm -hmm. and um, demand that, you know, she be sent to a neurologist. And that's when we discovered that neurologist gave her an MRI and discovered that she had had two years worth of stroke damage. Mm. We had the silent strokes mm -hmm. and silent strokes show up as little white dots on the MRI. So they can almost count, the, count them and see how many strokes mm. you have. And um, if we had caught it when she had just had like one or two strokes, you know, we probably could have um, prevented her from having full-blown dementia, vascular dementia. Wow. So I was really upset about that, you know, because I thought, wow, you know, this has been her doctor for like 30 years, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. and he misdiagnosed her and he didn't even recommend that she have a neurological evaluation. So you really have to um, demand. You know, you really have to know these things. And it was, you know, the silent strokes are caused by um, diabetes puts you at a higher risk for for having these silent strokes. Mm -hmm. So and she was a diabetic. And so I thought, wow, he didn't even check this, you know. So it's really important to just know. And like you said, ask questions. Yeah. But the diagnosis should be, it should involve like a, a neurologist should, con, you know, Conduct it, mm -hmm. that's your primary care, but a neurologist who hopefully specializes in memory loss or Alzheimer's or dementia should actually give the person an evaluation. And, um, you know, part of that is doing a medical, you know, doing a physical exam, taking a medical history and taking a blood test because there are... Um, there are other diseases. Well, there's two other diseases that can cause a person to have memory loss. Mm. And one is a low functioning thyroid. And the other is a vitamin B12 deficiency. So, and, you know, there's really no test for uh, Alzheimer's. So what they're doing is ruling out other things that could cause you to have memory loss. Mm. And um, so, I mean, a person can have a vitamin B12 deficiency. Uh, and that can be detected through a blood test. Mm -hmm. And um, the doctor can give you injections of B12 and it will solve it. So wow. if the person is having memory loss, you know, it could be related to the thyroid and they can, you know, they can, uh, I mean, like it could be related to B12 deficiency. And mm -hmm. so they can give you injections of B12. And if it's related to the thyroid, uh, they can give you a thyroid hormone you know, and that can correct it as well. So, you know, but, you know, people don't, people don't know that. Right, right, right. You know, so it's just important to be, you know, like I said, to be informed mm -hmm. and for people like you to, you know, realize that this is important information and we all can learn something from, you know, um, yeah, from someone who's had the experience or from a doctor or, whomever, you know, but it's just important to talk about these things, these experiences, 
Yes. Uh, and MRI should be a part of the evaluation. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the blood work the and psychological test as well. Okay. Okay. So are there um, medicines that people can use that if they it's detected that will slow it down? Because I know it's no yeah. cure. But. There's no cure. There's medications that can slow it down. Um, it's, be, you know, if you're fortunate enough to catch it early, then the medications will are more effective. Because okay. uh, they, like I said, they don't cure it, but they will slow it down to the point where maybe the individual, if they do, you know, they, they'll die of something else because the body starts, you know, when the brain is, you know, non-existent or it's mm-hmm. deteriorating, the other parts of the body start shutting down. Right. So in the end, the person lasts 10, 20, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, something else other than Alzheimer's or dementia, some form of dementia may, you know, actually kill them as opposed to the dementia itself, you know, because you slowed down the progression. So, yeah, so it's, um, there are medications out there. There's Aricept, mm-hmm. which is the most common form, and that's prescribed in the early stages um, and throughout. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because some people, after taking it, or giving that Aricept to their um, loved ones for a period of time, they say, you know, there's really nothing, there's really nothing, it's not helping. It's not, um, you know, they're still getting worse. Well, yeah, they are going to get worse because there is no cure. And um, I've heard doctors say that, tell their patients that, you know, the only way you know if it's working is to stop taking it. And then if you stop taking it, then you see a major difference. Then they start really getting worse. And she, and the doctor said, and then once that happens, and if you resume taking the meds, you can never recoup what you've lost. So there's Aricept, there's Exelon, and Exelon comes in a patch. And for people who can't take the uh, Aricept, because sometimes it can cause like diarrhea, you know, or stomach cramps. So Exelon can be the patch. They can use the patch and use that in, as opposed to the um, the Aricept. And then there's uh, Razadine and there's Nememda. And sometimes Nememda is a lot of times uh, prescribed in the latter stages of the disease. And sometimes it's prescribed mm-hmm. along with the Aricept. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, oh, I just want to mention that um, it's really important to know the medications okay. because sometimes because people in the in our community, they wait too long to get a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, it, by the time they take their parents to, I mean, or whomever to, um, to a neurologist or sometimes to their primary care, even um, they may be having symptoms that appear to be schizophrenic, like schizophrenia. Mm. And so like the paranoia and the agitation acting out, that kind of thing. Um, the, um, the primary care might send them to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist might prescribe them to say, oh, this person has schizophrenia. 
and prescribe them with a psychotropic drug, it's really not really not appropriate for someone who has a neurologic disease. So it's really important to know. I think like Seroquel or something is um, a drug, a psychotropic drug that's given to schizophrenics. Hmm. And, but it's really not a drug for someone who has dementia. So it's really important to know what the drugs are, you know. Why do you think that we, um, as African-Americans in our community, um, takes so long to um, go to the doctor or, um, you know, get help? You know, some of the reasons as um, in our study, some of the reasons that we cite are um, just not having our socioeconomic. Like sometimes people just don't have like, you know, they can't go to a specialist. They may not have the health care that will pay for them to go to a neurologist or a specialist. Mm-hmm. Or they may not have or they're just not getting the information from their primary care. You know, they're just not being told. They don't know. You know, so it's um it's a combination, you know, it's a combination of things. So but like I said, sometimes it's socioeconomic. Sometimes like even I remember during COVID, um, and you you might remember this as well. There were areas like in the outer boroughs, like Queens, where there was no even hospital in the community where people had to go. They were standing in line wrapped around the block to, you know, mm-hmm. to try to get into the emergency room to see if they had COVID because there just weren't enough hospitals right. mm-hmm. in the community. So sometimes it's just having the access to the health care, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times people... um you know, they don't go to the doctor on a regular basis, their primary care. They just go to emergency and something if there's an emergency. You, know? you notice something. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, something happens. And so they go to the emergency and they know that they'll, you know, get treated and taken care of. So um, to just like I said, it's just not uh, a lack of knowledge and awareness. So, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, being a part of a research study too was very important because a lot of times the drugs aren't um really designed for us in mind genetically you know um so it's just important for us to be part of these studies to make sure that whatever treatment they come up with actually you know works for us and benefits us so um, that's an important part of this this equation as well. Wow. You know, this disease is such a um, it's like a thief. It robs you of everything. You know, it does it's the personality. It takes the person, takes the takes the world away from the person. I know, and and then it robs you if you're a caregiver. So right. um, it's it's really something that um, I, I'm praying that they get a cure for this or get some testing that we could we would know and be able to have some medications or some things to do to, yes. you know, to be able to either deal with it or, uh, or either cure it or deal with it. Or so, deal with it or be, you know, prepared. And cause it's really important to have a plan, right. even if you know you're going to get it. I mean, you need to know like um, the behaviors and then what's going to happen down the road and then what type of care the person's going to need mm-hmm. and how it's going to be paid for and what it, all the care cost and I mean there's a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's is progressive, you know, yes. and it could be for a long time. So right. 
That's a long time. And it keeps changing. So you might be doing one thing, you might have one level of care, and that's fine. And then all of a sudden, they get worse. And then you need a different level of care. And then you have to figure out, you know, who's going to provide the care, how much it's going to cost. You know, I mean, do I have the right type of insurance? It's just, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. It's We just need to be advocates for our health, whatever it is. I think we need to start not looking at the doctor as being this God who knows everything. I mean, you know, they're human beings too. And I think we have to ask questions. So I just want people to like advocate for their health at whatever age, you know, ask questions, be informed and take care of yourself too. And self-care is really important. So, you know, this might be something like a topic that children that have parents that are in their 70s and, you know, 80s should be, just look into just to, absolutely, you know, just to be a step ahead of this if it were to happen. Absolutely. That is the whole purpose of Autumn is Here. It is to get people and their families involved in their aging parents' life so they'll yes. understand things, so they'll learn about the medical history, even ask questions like that. So you know about your, you know, the medical history of your family and understand and have their um, their their business and their insurance and all kinds of different things and yes. all things that affect them or may affect them later. You know, later, so, yes. yeah, because you may become their caregiver. So yes. You need to understand what's going on. So, yeah. 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 And you really need to know, like, for parents that have worked jobs for years um, and maybe been a part of unions, make sure that make sure that the parents are aware that maybe, you know, make sure that the beneficiaries are up to date and there aren't someone who has passed away. You know, maybe when you started working, you put your moms and your dad down as beneficiaries and of right. your a life insurance policy and they've both died they've passed away and you haven't updated the policy you know so just make sure all our paperwork is in order i mean all that is so important yes absolutely absolutely well thank you so much thank you so much for um this information we appreciate it um and i'm sure it'll help somebody and i know that you do research so we're going to um come back to you about research and genes and what's happening now that is going to help people in the future oh great that was yeah because we really need to as i mentioned be involved in research studies and we have one that's pretty exciting going on at uh, Columbia, a genetic research study for African-Americans and Hispanics. Um, it's an international study, and I'm, I'm really excited about coming back and mm-hmm. talking about that, too. So Great, great. Well, we need to know that, so thank you. I, I can't wait, because I need to know. I need to know more about that also. <laughs> yes, yes, because we need to um, make sure that when we're at the age that we're at, when we're at the age where we're at, at a higher risk, you know, mm-hmm. or rate of de- developing dementia, that there's some help out there for us. There's right. tests, testing, there's treatments, there's, you know, more information that there is available to us than there is now. <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah, it's important. 
Yes, it is. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for all the information that you gave. And um, I look forward to helpful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And we look forward to interviewing you again. Okay. Oh, wonderful. I look forward to it as well. All right. Thank you. Have a good evening. Okay. You too.